Um, that would probably be going to help my grandpa pick beans in his garden. Um, he was a keen sort of vegetable garden gardener, um, and they had a very pretty garden actually. So yeah, I think that's that would definitely be my earliest memory and a very fond one as well. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Uh, that was Catherine Chenery, who joins us on the podcast today. She's an award-winning garden designer, and we talk things all garden design um, and also how to deal with small spaces and things like that. It's a great one to listen to if you've got a little bit of a small garden that you're working with or maybe a little area uh, that you want to really get sorted from a design point of view. I join you on the podcast from our chilly greenhouse very very warm it's around about 32 degrees in here the sun is shining um, and what i wanted to talk about very briefly was chilies when you're buying them loads of people buying them this time of year uh, the weather forecast at the moment uh, we're towards the end of april now it says it's going to get a little bit colder very soon so don't put them outside they're a subtropical plant and <laughs> loads of people lose them or at very least stunt their growth by just not really having the patience so stick them on the windowsill stick them in conservatory if you've got a greenhouse that's a bit warmer as well that's ideal you want to keep them as warm as you possibly can obviously within reason but in general in this country as warm as you possibly can um, you're going to get so much more growth earlier crop and really going to enjoy them a lot more if you're just a little bit patient. You can still order them now or buy them now wherever you're going to a garden centre or, or online. But a little bit of patience goes a long, long way, especially with chilli plants. They love the heat. They really want to be grown in Mexico. So if you bear that in mind, if it's going to be cold overnight, which certainly in our area in Essex is forecasted very soon, then make sure you're protecting and make sure you're putting a bit of heat towards their way um, and they'll be a lot, lot better. But anyway, without further ado, let's start the podcast. Hi, you're listening to Plants and Me, the podcast that is all about plants, gardening, and the people who are passionate about them with your host, Alan Lodge. So welcome to the podcast, Catherine. Thank you for having me. No problem at all. Really nice that you could join us. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about you and your business. Um, so I work in Hampshire, um, but I sort of work across um, London and Surrey and places like that. I mean, I suppose I go to where the work is. Um, I studied garden design um, at the London College of Garden Design in 2013. And I've been working um, as a self-employed garden designer since then, um, as well as garden design sort of residential projects. Um, I've done one show garden. I've also done some sort of floristry projects as well. I like to sort of keep a, a mix to the type of work I'm doing. Mm. Keeps things interesting for me. Um, yeah, so it's sort of, I, I suppose I've got, it's, a, it's a second career for me. I used to work in marketing. Oh, right. um, and I have never looked back. I really enjoy it. So what made the change? Um, well, I have always been interested in gardens. And, you know, as a child, I was taken to so many gardens and National Trust properties. So I think it was sort of instilled into me from the start. <laughs> um, and then as soon as I got my own space, I mean, I was living in this tiny little studio flat in Highgate with a minute postage stamp of 
a balcony and your postage stamp is probably generous. Um, but I started growing things in pots on my balcony and I was growing, you know, flowers and cucumbers and things like that. Actually, that was up until all my pots caused a leak in the flat below. So I had to take them all up. Um, but yeah, so that sort of got my head thinking about it. And I was just all the time I was working, I was just itching to be outside and, um, decided eventually that it was time to make the change and sort of work in something I was passionate about. Yeah. And was there any crossover skills that you found when you moved into gardening? Uh, definitely. I think I've always been a creative person. Um, I think, you know, there are, there are creative elements to marketing as well, but it wasn't sort of fulfilling me. Um, certainly, I think uh, coming from marketing is probably useful to think about marketing my own business. Mm. Um but yeah, no, there are definitely things that have been useful working with clients, things like that. There's certainly crossovers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, you're featured quite highly in uh, some of the lists of uh, Instagram gardeners. So I wonder whether the marketing comes into that a fair bit. I think it might do. Yeah, I mean, actually, the way I use Instagram, I just really love doing it. And I, I love seeing what other people are producing on there. I think there's so much creativity um, and I find it very inspiring. And for me, also, um, I have a I have a young daughter. So for me to be able to do a quick thing on Instagram on a day when I'm not doing other creative work is great. You know, I can I can um, sort of share some creativity in that way in a very quick and easy way. So I found that very useful when she was very tiny. Mm-hmm. How old um, is she now? She's now three and a half. And has she got to the point where she's starting to get her hands dirty? Definitely. She, yeah, she loves it. She's, um, we, um, we were actually signed up to this thing called Mudbox and they send little sort of projects. So we've been growing crests, you know, sort of eggheads and things like that. And it's, they send little, um, seeds and bulbs and things that you can plant. So her first snowdrops grew this year and she's grown some crocuses herself. And I think she's got the, she's got the green fingers, but it could go either way you know my partner and I both both work in horticulture so either she's going to love it or she's going to rebel and just refuse to have anything to do with it (laughs) (laughs) well if she's anything like me and I'm from uh, well I'm fourth generation so Ah, okay uh, if she's anything like me she'll have a period of rebelling and then she'll just have to give into it yeah she'll just accept it's her path (laughs) (laughs) excellent so uh, taking you way way back um what's your earliest memory of gardening um that would probably be going to help my grandpa pick beans in his garden um he was a keen sort of vegetable garden gardener um and they had a very pretty garden actually so yeah i think that's that would definitely be my earliest memory and a very fond one as well yes and actually that's that's often the sort of memory that people people bring up it's quite interesting it's, it's the grandparents that we've we've got to thank I think yeah absolutely I do also remember going to a garden with my mother and um, I can't remember where it was but they had this beautiful lavender garden and coming home and just saying well we've got to do that in our garden now and sort of drawing it out for her at the age of I don't know eight or something and saying this is where we're going to put it and of course it was probably in a shady corner or something and I hadn't quite grasped it but yeah, the ideas were there. <laughs> and you've uh, you've gone more into the design aspect of it. Uh, do you deal much with the horticultural side as well? 
Um, I really like to. Where I can, I like to try and do my own planting or at least be involved with it because I really love that side of it. Um, my favorite projects are quite slow projects where I really get to know the clients and we develop the garden over time and you know sort of I stay in touch with them and regularly go back to the garden and we kind of work on it mm. as they get used to it and as the plants grow and you know take it take it slowly and be involved and get my get my hands dirty yes and you um you did very well to win the uh, the people's award uh, at Hampton Court yeah, it was brilliant. We were we were so pleased to win that. It was just lovely. Um, and I was working with my mother-in-law for um, a charity called Unique. And um, that's one of her granddaughters has a rare chromosome disorder. So it meant a lot to us for that to be recognised because it had that, that personal connection. Yeah, quite. And uh, what did that garden involve? Was it big, small? Um. It was quite big, actually. Originally, we pl- applied to do a smaller garden, and then we got moved up to do a show garden, which is very exciting. But then, of course, we had to sort of stretch the budget over a bigger garden. Yeah. So it was sort of initially very exciting and then became quite the challenge. Were you given um, much notice of that change? Yeah, yeah, we were, actually. So we had okay. we had time, pre- time to prepare for it. Um but obviously, you know, it's a good thing for the charity because that was more exposure for them to be doing a show garden. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I found I, I don't think I got the show garden bug in the way that some other garden designers do when they do it. I know a lot of people do one and then they're desperate to go back. Mm. Um, I loved it. But I think for me, the sort of slower pace and watching the garden develop is more satisfying sort of personally whereas I love going to see other people's gardens and that's I think that's so important and so inspiring to see the show gardens and Mm. people sort of pushing boundaries of things that you couldn't do in a residential garden Mm. necessarily so and I think uh, a lot of people um, have a bit of a a love-hate relationship with doing show gardens because yeah it's it's great to do, but it's normally great to do on the last day when you can have a, a bottle of wine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's very all-consuming, isn't it? It's very much so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, and you've also exhibited at Chelsea? Yes. Yeah, so I did. Um, it was more of a floristry project at Chelsea. Um, we, I teamed up with a company called Riot Balloons, and we covered the ceiling of a tunnel that runs between two parts of the show with balloons and jungle foliage and what we were going for was this sort of um immersive experience so there was sort of jungle sounds and lights and um it was just really fun we just kind of wanted to go nuts with it really and just play in a way that you know working for private clients obviously you the the point of it is that you're creating what they want and something that's livable and um beautiful and practical but for this it was, we didn't have a sponsor. It was just, we could do what we wanted really, which was really fun. So where something like that, where does the first spark of inspiration come from you? Um, with that one, that was Instagram actually. I saw um, Fiona from Bright Balloons. I saw a piece of work she'd done on Instagram and it was, I think it was something like a wreath and she'd used foliage and flowers alongside the balloons. And I just thought it looked fantastic and really fun. Um, so I got in touch with her and said, how about we team up? 
And um, the the jungle element actually came from the fact that we couldn't use any water because we were hanging things from the ceiling. Mm. The big challenge was um, obviously the RHS didn't want water dripping on everybody <laughs> walking through. Um, so I was trying to work out what foliage I could use that would retain some water to you know last the week, um, which is where I came up with using the sort of fleshier, mm. um, more tropical leaves. Yeah. Oh, so that's sort of, yeah, it went from there. <laughs> and the the difference is uh, obviously uh, that's that's at the end of the May, end of May, and then yeah. sort of a, a month or so later, you were standing in someone's back garden. How yeah. different is that to to a show garden? Um, yeah, completely different, really. I think the the obviously with both, you're following a brief to some extent, um, but for me, it's great to have those two different worlds you know I, I, there are elements of both that I love but one thing I like about doing the sort of more installation floral things is that it's very quick you know you, you come up with the design obviously they, you know there's a lot of work in the preparation um but you put it up and it's there and it looks great and then it comes down again sort of in the same way as a show garden but it all comes together very very quickly whereas of course a garden the lovely thing is that is that it's going to take time to establish and building that relationship with the client takes time and it's it, I like to have the two different paces going on. It yeah. keeps keeps my work interesting. And you planning on doing some more show gardens? Um, I think I not immediately. I think it's quite good to take a take a little pause. Um, just you know, family life and things. Yeah, of course, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, but no, one day I would love to go back into it. Yeah, good. And uh, taking it over to, to the more private garden point of view, uh, you're possibly one of the best people to advise because uh, you've you've lived in, a, uh, a as you put it, a very, very small garden. Yeah. There's lots and lots of people who are having to, to live with a small garden. They still want plants. They still mm. want an element of uh, escapism in their garden. Is there any tips or tricks you could advise? Um, well, one thing, actually, even our garden now is still, it's quite a small sort of town garden, you know, long, thin garden. Um, one thing I really like to do for a small garden is to sort of create create some divisions so that you're not seeing the whole thing all at once. Or even if you can see the whole thing all at once from certain angles, it gives you a journey through the garden and mm. sort of a destination so it, it makes it feel bigger, even though actually you're breaking up the space and you've got possibly less space. Mm. Um, just that feeling of entering a different zone, I think, can create something quite special, even in a very tiny space. Mm. And obviously aspects, um, whether it's uh, facing north, south, east, west, that sort mm -hmm. of stuff makes a difference. But have you got some go-to plants that work really well for small gardens? Um, I really like... Uh, I really like using Amelanchia trees. Um, I think they're great just because you get the impact of a tree, but they're quite manageable in terms of keeping them to a reasonable size. And I love that sort of airiness to them. Um, you know, so they don't feel like a big blob that's taking up all of the space. There's, they're so light, um, but you can still get that brilliant height. And um, I think having some trees in the garden, even if it's tiny, is so important just to have that maturity of it looking mm. like it's 
a real garden, not a sort of collection of pots or something. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, I really like using that. Um, even in a small garden, I think some hedging is great. You know, if you you can sort of divide the divide the space a little bit with hedging. Um, I love using hornbeam hedging. Um, yeah, I think those are probably two of my go-tos for the sort of larger stuff. Yeah. Okay. And obviously, um, when people are, are getting into it, um, they don't quite know where to start. Do you yeah. often take a garden literally wipe back to, to a blank canvas? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great thing to do because it is easy to get too caught up in trying to hold on to something and then compromising the rest of the design for the garden because of one element that you don't want to lose. Um, I do think it's nice to, if, if there are a lot of mature plants in, in a garden, to try and hold on to things because if it's, if it's a healthy plant and it's doing well in that situation, um, there's a lot that can be done with, you know, restorative pruning and things or, if there's a big shrub, perhaps you can clear the stems to make it look slightly, make it look different and a bit fresher. So yeah, trying trying to incorporate some of the existing garden rather than tearing too much out. Um, but also, if something's not working, then I think not compromising the rest of it. Yeah, quite. And uh, something that's... Uh... You're going to have uh, footballs and, and slides and bits yeah. and pieces in your garden. For people that yeah. have got uh, younger children, maybe slightly older children, uh, but still trying to get that uh, that nice design of a garden, um, is there ways of doing that? I think um, one thing I'm finding with my daughter is that she's probably more excited about areas of the garden where she can hide behind something or she can see a tiny little path through something that looks like to her is some kind of magical world that she can explore. Um, so almost, you know, rather than a huge bit of play equipment, I mean, I'm saying this, we're lucky to live across the road from a play park. So <laughs> cheating a bit, but um, you know, there's, there's a lot that can be done in the garden that's sort of appealing to both adults and children if it's little paths going through somewhere I think that's really great for children as well um that said I do think some lawn space when you've got children running around is a brilliant thing and if that can be um incorporated into your design but give them the space space to play I think that's brilliant what's your general feeling on AstroTurf I'm not a fan I have to say um, I know that's controversial because it's it's so practical for a lot of people and especially young families. I can completely see why people do it. Um, but yeah, I'll always try and get the real the real deal. I think it uh, it does slightly hark back to uh, people wanting almost a zero maintenance garden. Yeah. Um, you can reduce the maintenance, obviously, but would you ever think there's such a thing as a zero maintenance garden? No. No, I don't think so. In the same way that you can have, even if you, I don't know, even if you just went for loads of hard landscaping, which I, I wouldn't want to do for a design anyway, but even if you did that, there's still maintenance. You still have to clean patios. You still have to sweep up. You know, I think I think um, there's a lot that can be done 
I think that, you know, I'm reading a lot about at the moment about things like not raking up all the leaves and leaving them on the beds to improve the quality of the soil and things like that. So actually, I think there's a lot of things that can be done to sort of break habits where we're trying to make gardens immaculate and maybe sort of relaxing on some of those things will actually be more sustainable and better for the soil and it will be, you know, not having to pick up leaves is great. (laughs) Um, So in that way, I think maybe there's things you can do, but no, I think everything is going to require some maintenance. Yes, quite. And that... uh... Uh, that answer leads me to a question we always ask people with regards to to reading or books. Is there a is there a particular book or maybe even a person uh, who actually inspired you and and really gave you the bug and you thought, yeah, this is this is what I'm going to do. Yes, it would be um, Tom Stewart Smith. I just it, still now and very very much so um, when I was sort of starting to learn more about garden design looking at images of his gardens and um, visiting his garden in Hertfordshire just gives me an absolute thrill, you know, a real sort of um, chills down your spine looking at his designs. I think it's beautiful. And I really love the way he uses structure in amongst the sort of frothier textures that he has with his planting. And it seems to me that the way he's done the hedges in his, um, I think it's the barn garden, it's, it's like sculpture. It's sort of or architectural. I think it looks fantastic. Mm. And when people visit that sort of thing, obviously you've uh, you're trained, you've got experience in it. But when people visit a garden that they particularly like, how how easy or or otherwise is it for them to take elements of that and think, oh, I want that in my garden? I think it's I think it's really important to do that, and also looking at show gardens as well, and yeah, visiting designers' gardens and things. It's so important to take small elements, and even if it's you know I've just talked about the hedges that I love in my own garden. I separated part of it with a hornbeam hedge, and that's so tiny compared to anything um, Tom Stuart Smith does. But it's just that tiny element filtered down into something that you can create in your own garden. Or even if it's just looking at a few plants and thinking, oh, look at the way he's combined or she's combined that that texture, the, you know, those grasses alongside this um, sort of formal topiary or whatever it is. It's, yeah, I think that's so important to get that inspiration because it's, you know, it's easy to get weighed down in your own garden and I think that's something sort of I hear from clients that they feel a bit sort of stuck because they don't know where where to go with it, what to do. They're kind of battling against the garden. Mm. Um, so to step outside that and get some inspiration, I think, is really important. Yeah. And I think actually sometimes you can try and make a garden too perfect and actually not yeah. remember to sit in it or have a barbecue or, or run around with your daughter. or, or Yeah, like exactly. That. Exactly. It's so important to stop and enjoy it and not just, I think that's always going to be hard in your own garden, isn't it? And mm. to as soon as you try and sit and have a cup of tea and look at it, you're going to start thinking, oh, it's some weeds there, I can see. And I, <laughs> I always think with, with um, when I'm designing a garden for a client, I always want to create these sort of areas where you can imagine them sort of you know sitting there with the G&T in that spot that just catches the light perfectly in the evening Mm. so you want to put a nice little seating area there 
And I think it's really nice to imagine that as a garden designer that you're creating these little spaces that they can enjoy. So do you find if you're you're doing a garden for someone, you mentioned about catching the light at a certain time or something like that, do you visit more than once to try and look at what you're working with? Yeah, I try to. I try to because um, I do think it's important that you can, um, obviously you can you know work, thing, work things out about the way the light's falling, but you're not going to have the same appreciation of it as if you spent some time in that garden. Um, so I do think that's important and spending time in the garden with the clients as well, I think is important and, you know, really getting a thorough idea from them about how they use it and, um, filtering down to what they really need and want in the garden. Cause obviously we all want a lot of things in our gardens, mm. but, um, yeah, filtering down to the essentials yeah. and the things that are going to make it really beautiful. I'm guessing it's not always practical to to encompass maybe you've got a family uh, you've got uh, a couple and then children etc it's not always practical to get every bit of what they want in the garden yeah exactly and it's finding it's finding those things I remember this from my course actually conversations about um, finding the essential elements that are really needed in the garden and working out what you can take out so that you're not it doesn't feel crammed I think that's such an important thing in the early stages of the planning to have that list of the things that need to go in, the things that would be nice to go in. Yeah, I suppose it's always easier to, uh, if you're aiming for something, to be able to hit it rather than not really know what you're aiming for. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And when you're wandering around your garden or maybe a, a client's garden or a show garden, is there a particular tool or a bit of equipment that you think is almost essential for you to have? Um, yes, I would say I've got some really lovely Nuaki secateurs that were an anniversary present <laughs> from my partner. Um, and they are just brilliant and I like to always have them. I do a lot of snipping in my own garden. I do a lot of snipping things to bring inside. So I'm a big fan of having, um, vases of things from the garden filling the house. Um, I just love doing that. I think, feel like it's, you know, there can be a really boring shrub in the garden and you snip a bit. Something like a Nandina, for example, that lots of things, you know, people think of that as a bit of a car park plant. But actually a couple of branches of that and some of the beautiful berries brought inside looks absolutely fabulous. Um, so, yeah, being able to snip bits here and there. But the same in clients' gardens, you know, you just see the... Um, odd bit that you might like to snip and then I do, I do like to do that for clients as well you know hand them a couple of flowers from the garden to put in vases and things like that if I'm doing some maintenance for them yeah very nice and actually it's just brought to mind uh, on the telly you see all the uh, the doing up of the garden shows and things like that mm. uh, when you have finished and you want to hand it over do you have a bit of a ceremony um not really, but that's a nice idea. <laughs> yeah, there should be more of that, that moment of, oh, it's done. It, it just made me wonder how you physically sort of, because I'm guessing they're looking oh, out yeah. the window at you uh, for sometimes months. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think, you know, most of the gardens I've done, there hasn't been that kind of clear-cut handover. And there's been a lot of sort of, you know, doing it a bit more slowly and, oh, we'll come back in the spring and we'll do a bit more of this and, you know, so I haven't had that sort of, mm. I'd like that actually, a sort of, you know, 
handing over the keys moment. Like I'm, I'm imagining changing rooms that I grew up watching. That, yeah, like, that's just, that's exactly what I was thinking. Of. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if you could send them on holiday for a couple of months. Yeah, that would be really exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, and you've obviously had a huge amount of successes uh, in both your garden and, and various other gardens. Uh, are there any failures that you've had that spring to mind? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I feel like there are lots, but I can't think of a specific example. Hmm. Um, failures. Well, that's that's a good sign, isn't it? No, I don't know if it is. <laughs> Maybe there's too many to think of one example. <laughs> Um, failures. I suppose it actually probably easier to talk about my own garden on this one, but there's one thing I found doing my own garden as opposed to doing a client's garden is that I look at it every day and I keep changing my mind about what I want to do, <laughs> which I don't do with client's gardens because obviously I'm, I'm there for a short amount of time and then I kind of... Um, you know, work it out and talk to them and do the design and hand it over and then it's either built, you know, partly by me, partly by contractors and then it's done. And, um, but I'm finding with my own garden, because this is, you know, we've been in our first house for a year and a half now, so it's the first time we're properly doing it. Um, I just keep changing my mind about what I want. I mean, recently I've suddenly decided I really want loads of vegetables, but of course I've planted loads of flowers and now there's not a lot of space for loads of vegetables. So I think probably that is quite a big mistake and um, a bad one for a garden designer to make because one of the things I always talk to clients about is the planning is so important and it's such an important way of avoiding costly mistakes because if you plan your garden properly and you have the overall master plan even if you don't come back to an area for five years you're not going to waste money on it in a sort of short-term solution um so i suppose yeah i haven't I haven't done that in my own garden i probably have made mistakes that, and then tore them out again so i've done exactly the same so i feel for you yeah <laughs> it's hard to step back when it's your own isn't it you don't Definitely. have the same clarity no, and we're more on the plant side, but we um, we do displays uh, at various different shows, and they are very, very different to even doing a garden because yeah. it's uh, it's a a blank canvas, a table, or something like that. Um, normally, quite quite a lot of tables. Mm. You set it up and make it look like it's been there for a long time. Um, and yeah. uh, generally speaking, we're one of the first fans out of a show, and it normally takes us about three hours to date down something that's that's been that probably wow, took us yeah. about three days to put up yeah um, but to actually get the same look in in a garden I find very tricky yeah yeah, yeah. I, I suppose having that sort of having that clear-cut time is quite useful in a way isn't it if mm. you've got to get it done you do it yes exactly and don't Where, get me yeah. wrong we've come close to missing it from time to time yeah <laughs> Partly one was a puncher, which I wouldn't say was our fault, but um, oh. a couple of years ago, we um, I was reading the wrong um, show guidelines and uh, it turned out I was reading uh, the wrong date. Um, oh, no. So we we arrived, everyone was trying to phone us. Uh, it turns yeah. out we arrived with only a few hours to spare. And um, you thought you had plenty of time. We we got it done, surprisingly. Yeah. Enough. I think we got oh, silver gosh. gilt that year, actually. Oh, wow. Well, you pulled it out of the bag then. <laughs> Maybe that's the secret. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Um, and looking over your website, uh, it's not just uh, garden design, and you mentioned there you do maintenance. You also hold some workshops. Tell us a bit about those. Yeah, so I've got a um, I've got a real thing for wreaths. Actually, I just for me, it's like it's like therapy making making a wreath. Um, obviously, I started doing Christmas ones, and then I started making them at all, all different times of year. Um, and I suppose, like we were just saying about the sort of the if you have a short amount of time to focus on something, you can get a lot done. Mm. And I think making a wreath is a bit like that. You know, you sort of get started you do it and you've created something and there's something very satisfying about that for me um so I started doing those you know just for family really and then friends and then um then started selling them sometimes at Christmas and then this year I did some uh wreath workshops with um Seedlip in their pop-up bar and they were Christmas wreaths doing using um dried flowers and dried dried foliage so that was fun it was a bit sort of something a bit different and you expect Um, to do more of them yeah I'd love to yeah I really like doing them I've done them for sort of um a small group as well um it's just very satisfying to see all the different you know you all start with the same things um you, you have a sort of variety of flowers and foliage and things and just seeing how different they all look in sort of different and wonderful ways it's it's amazing to see people's creativity coming through brilliant excellent um and uh we've gone over loads of stuff then it's been really really interesting if people wanted to get in contact or or see what you do where's the best way for them to do that um so i do a lot of stuff on instagram my instagram is katherine underscore clc um otherwise there's my website which is katherinechennery.co.uk excellent brilliant and what sort of area do you generally do garden design in um so i'm based in hampshire but sort of mm-hmm. um i tend to work sort of london and home counties really so you can travel a fair bit if people are interested in getting in contact yeah absolutely yeah excellent good well thank you very much for for joining us Catherine. it's been really really interesting Thank you so much for talking to me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. No problem at all. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Plants and Me podcast. We'll be back soon. If you can't get enough of all things plant-related, pop over to plants-uk.co.uk. And if you enjoy our podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.